do think if you look at the people who survive trauma in our society too, you can always point to one person who really loved them. Mm. And I actually just, apropos of this, I just read a study uh, in World War II. Uh, there was a draft, of course, so lots of people were entering the military. And at the end of the war, there's a lot of rapid promotion because there's battlefield promotions. Some of the people had made it all the way up to major, and some of the people had made it only to colonel or corporal. And so they just studied what explained why some people made it all the way up and some didn't really get promoted very much. And it wasn't physical strength, and it wasn't courage, and it wasn't intelligence. It was relationship with mom. The mother's love predicted who would get promoted because the people who had been loved so deeply by their moms knew what deep love was, and they could give that deep love to their own man. Huh. And then, therefore, they could serve as leaders. And so I, I notice in our society, sometimes you could have a very broken background, but if you've got one deep love, that love from a mentor or a grandmother or mother or father, anybody, teacher, that's an anchor, which uh, I shouldn't use the word anchor because it lifts you up. Uh, and so the one deep love, well... Well, and I think a lot of moms are happy to hear that because they are doing their best to love their kids. But it's true. I, I think I experienced that. You know, the love of my mom was deeply felt, and it got me through a lot after she died at nine. And she only had nine years to express that to me. Yeah. And I didn't notice, you know, sometimes you write a book and you don't see the patterns. Yeah. And so there are a lot of characters in this book, from St. Augustine to Dwight Eisenhower to Dorothy Day. The dads were, eh. But the moms were all kind of awesome. Yeah. And St. Augustine's mom, um, she deeply loved her son. She was sort of the helicopter mom to beat all helicopter moms. Tell that story because I, I read that. It's fascinating because it's in such modern vernacular. Yeah. Talk about St. Augustine's mom and their relationship. So he grows up in, in North Africa, and his mom just wants to control every aspect of his life. <laughs> and... And she's like, here's who you should see, here's who you should not see, this is what you should believe, this is what you shouldn't believe, here's who you should marry, here's who you shouldn't marry. She wants to control everything, and she wants to be with him all the time. And he needs a little space. He's like a young adult by now. And so he sneaks on a boat out of Africa and heads to Italy. And on the shore, mom is screaming at him, get back here, get back here. And then she gets on the next boat, she tracks him down to Italy, she's chasing him down. And so this was a life of conflict. Uh, and then he has this famous conversion scene. And he's in his 30s, and she's in her upper 50s, I think. And she says to him, you know, all my life I've wanted you to be a certain sort of Christian. And you are now that kind of Christian. And so my work here is done. I'm ready to die. Uh, I thought I wanted to die back in Africa and be buried there, but God is everywhere. He'll find me. And in fact, nine days later, she does die. And Augustine describes their final conversation, which takes place in Italy. And he said, after a life of conflict, we had this moment of sweetness and harmony, where we talked about the life that had happened, we talked about the life to come. And in our words, we rose above the material life in the into the realm of pure spirit and in the light of that spirit. And so he describes this beautiful conversation. And then he has a long sentence in the Confessions, which is very hard to read. It's really hard to understand what he's saying. But in some translations, he repeats a certain word throughout the sentence. And that word is hushed. He says, the sound of the birds and the trees was hushed. The sound of the wind was hushed. The sound of our voices was hushed. The sound of our heartbeats was hushed. 
That interview was uh, shared on a Focus on the Family um, program, and John Turner uh, shared that with me this week after our meeting Monday, and I kind of was sharing with he and the ministry team um, what we would be talking about this morning. He had heard that clip, and we chased it down, and, and we're, we were able to pull it off. But what I wanted you to hear out of that is a couple of different things. The first one is... Um, in regard to the soldiers and being moved up in their ranks, what was the most important piece was that they were taught how to love. The connection to the love of their mother was what was cited in so many cases. And the the second piece was the helicopter mom piece. Uh, you know, I really feel for St. Augustine because my wife let me know uh, a week ago she's moving to Nashville in in uh, in about four months. And and you know, we have one getting ready to go off to college and. Um, and she may take the place as the ultimate helicopter mom, but it's because she loves him. And so this morning, what I wanted to talk to us about, what I want to really try to embed with us uh, here this morning as a group, is the importance love plays in building the foundation for humility. Because it is humility that allows us to function in a Christian manner at a high level. Turn with me to Luke, the first chapter, and I'm going to hopefully uh, be able to make my point here this morning. I want to state that I believe it's the attachment process between child and mother and mother and child as as whether the mother's uh, the biological mom or just the nurturing mother figure is of the utmost importance. And it's fundamental in the development of that child and especially spiritually. And I want to I want to show you an idea of maybe uh, even an instance where someone was a mother that they didn't ask to be. Look at chapter one of the book of Luke. And this is how Mary reacts to having just been told that she's going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit, not by choice. But because God has chosen her as someone who can handle the responsibility of bringing up, birthing and raising the Son of God. Listen to what Mary's reaction is in chapter 1, starting in verse 46 of the Gospel of Luke. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud to their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Twice in that, in that response, Mary uses and cites the word humble and humility. And this morning, what I want to build the case for is it's that humility that builds the foundation of our love. It's being able to tap into that humility that allows us to love at the level that God wants us to love. And not only do we see Mary teach that lesson here in her response to God's calling, but we see Jesus 
exemplify that all throughout his ministry and his life. And we see his apostles do the same. It's humility where the strength and the power and the encouragement come to do God's work. This humility is bred into Jesus by being God, but it was supported and reinforced by his mother, Mary. You can't read the Gospel of John 19, 26 and 27, where Jesus hanging on the cross says, looks to looks to the one he loves and says, Man, here is your this woman is your mother. And and to the woman, he says, mother, now this man is your son. He's handing off the responsibility of Mary to the disciple that he loved. One of the last things Jesus did on the cross was remembered and acknowledged the love that he had for his mother, the foundational teacher of his of his humility. Church is so important to the development, the greatest gift an adult can teach a child is the gift of humility. And then teach that child how to demonstrate that humility in their love for God and their love for others. Until you build that foundation of humility, the child will not be able to tap into the love at the level that God wants them to love. Because humble, being humble is all about putting ourselves on the shelf Godly humility is the key to love. Now, here's a key point to all of us in in that lesson is, you know, a sign of humility is to be able to love someone when you don't want to in the same way you love them when you want to. Now, if you put this into the, the context of raising a child, parents, grandparents, folks who have just who have volunteered to be a parent at some level, Isn't it easier sometimes, most times, to love the little ones than it is teenagers? Teenagers will try this process, won't they? They will try you on the idea of unconditional love. Their decisions, their choices, their desire to become independent. It begins to lead down a road where they become a little harder to love. But most of the time, in almost every instance where there's positive attachment... Mothers can connect to that love, sometimes even deeper than the dads can. Dads want to bop them in the mouth and moms want to hug it out of them. Sometimes it even causes conflict between the two. Now, how does this fit into our last few weeks and what we've preached? Well, turn to Matthew, the fifth chapter real quick. We'll we'll pull away from the gospel of Luke, but let's turn to the Beatitudes. And this is where Jesus carries on the lesson that his mother, Mary, taught him. And it's in it's in this teaching of of great importance that we see on the Sermon of the Mount. In Matthew, the book of Matthew in chapter five, we see these beatitudes as shared. We look at starting in verse two. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We studied that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We studied that week, too. And look at this in verse five. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Now, the word meek there translated from the Greek language translates in some ways even better. Humble. Blessed are the humble. And this upside down teaching that Jesus offers here to his apostles in preparing them and others for a life of being Christ like he says, blessed are you who are humble. It's like lesson number three. 
In the book, The End of Me, which I'm taking some of the inspiration for these teachings, Kyle Eidelman reinforces this, the third beatitude. And what? And so I want to ask you, what are you currently doing for others? How are you being sacrificial in your life? And women, specifically this morning, I, I, I thank you and you're a blessing, a true blessing when you go outside of the realm of what you have to do, especially in regard to the life of children. And you go beyond that point, which some of you may not know here at Heartland, how important that task is. For our youngest of children, our nursery, our preschool area, we, we don't even allow men down there. OK, we we put in place that is that is a ministry that we that we hope you carry and that you carry well. And foundationally, what are we teaching children at that age? Humility, love, forgiveness, kindness. And so you're on the front line of this battle, ladies, and we need you and you have blessed us thus far. And we ask you to continue blessing the children of this congregation and the children of this community. Don't step back from that opportunity to be great. Because blessed are the humble and they will inherit the earth. Turn, if you will, to to Luke Chapter 18, we're going to go just a little bit deeper into this text of the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to take a look at humility contrasted to, in contrast to arrogance. And Jesus uses a parable here to, to contrast the two. I want us to look at I read this. I read this this week and the dialogue for this really became really funny yesterday. And I'll, I'll try to pull this all together. Starting in verse nine of chapter 18, Jesus teaches this to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector that's in the room with me. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke 18 verse 14. Whoever humble, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever tries to lift themselves up will be humbled. And whoever humbles themselves will be lifted up. Sounds like a another way of saying what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. This time he says it in the realm of. Of a parable. Now, just a quick story. I'm going to hustle here. Yesterday, I'm sitting in the bleachers at a baseball game, and uh, a lot of folks, they don't like the bleachers. They're hard or whatever, so they bring their lawn chairs. And so there are three ladies sitting in lawn chairs in front of me, and obviously, I couldn't help but hear them talking, so I decided to do what most people do. I eavesdropped. And so, 
As I was listening to them talk, they, one lady says to the other lady, she says, do you know so and so? And the lady says, you know, I think I've seen her, but I don't know. Oh, she's on Facebook and she pulls her Facebook up account and she starts talking about how this lady goes to the gym and she spins. But she talks to other men while she's there. I mean, just gossip central. And they were building this lady up. I kid you not to be the spawn of Satan. I really thought this lady had horns and a pitchfork. And it, I didn't know what. So but here's the funny part. Watch this church. This is how this works. In front of them were some little children playing with toys in front of these moms. One was probably four. There was a little girl that was probably four and a little boy that was five. And here comes this lady who was a fourth in their party of ladies in their chat room. But she's carrying all this stuff from the concession stand because it's so far away. They just sent one person. And so she's been away from this conversation. And she walks up to these ladies and starts hanging out. And the five year old boy stands up and says, Mommy, Mommy, is this that bad woman you were talking about? And here's the lady, you know, and she thinks, I walked away for 10 minutes and you're talking about me. Come on. And she wasn't talking. They weren't talking about her. But they weren't loving either. And what did the child learn? Did the child learn humility? No. Moms, be careful. That's why we don't let you talk in church. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Had to get that. Just for the record on the recording, I didn't mean that. That was a joke. Everybody laughed. Luke 18, verse 11 is where we need to focus. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Listen, church, a sign of arrogance is when we compare ourselves to others instead of holding ourselves accountable to the obedience we are to have in God. It's not about whether you're better than someone else. If there are three sinners in you in a room, there's four sinners. You follow me? There's not three sinners in you. There's four sinners in that room. Don't compare yourself to them. Compare yourself as to whether you're being obedient to God. And when we begin to do this and we have children watching us and younger generation watching us, they will begin to see that we don't put ourselves above other people. We don't build that up. What we do is we we savor the idea that we are saved in Christ. And their love begins to develop for Christ and their humility begins to develop for Christ because it's not about them and it's not about what they can do. It's about what he can do. And this is the lesson our children need to hear time and time again. I'm going to hurry here. I'm racing. You might lack humility if you might remember the old red. You might be a redneck if. Well, this morning you might lack humility if I'm going to give you three points. You catch yourself celebrating someone else's failure. You know what? If you step back at work and you see another man or another woman failing and deep down inside, there's some joy or excitement that that brings you. You might lack humility. You might want to step back from that. If you see your neighbor who has the nicest lawnmower and you're riding a piece of junk and the nice lawnmower breaks down and you laugh, you might lack humility. That happened this week. That's why I said this. You better be careful when you're chasing something that you desire outside the realm of humility. 
because it may not bring you the happiness that you think it will. Number two, you obsess over the opinions of others. Guilty as charged, church, I'm testifying to you this morning. Pray for me. This is this is one of my greatest sins that I battle daily. And I think many of us do. And if we didn't, then the cosmetic world would go out of business. Church, we can't obsess over what other people think, especially when it's the obsession that we have is not connected to to the love that we're supposed to have. That's a dangerous game, and it'll lead us down a dangerous road of vanity. Depression, anxiety, you can fill in that line with anything you want. And number three, you're utterly convinced that your own opinions or positions are the only right ones. That's arrogance. You might be or you might lack humility if you fall yourself trapped in any of one of these three things. Now, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to give you some tools. Here's four things that I'd like you to consider as motherly lessons taught in humility. And I say motherly lessons because as I as I came up with these four things and I talked about these four things, here's here's the idea in mind. Most of these things I learned at a very young age when, quite frankly, my father wasn't around very much. In fact, my father was just he was the muscle. At this point in my life, he was the one that mom said, your father's going to be home at six o'clock. And if you don't get this done, he's going to pound you when he comes in. Because it was mom, the one that was home with me. So she was the one that introduced these lessons that I walked away with. And dad was just kind of the enforcer. And by the way, dad's Fathers, men, don't feel left out. I'm going to pick on you next month. Okay? I mean, I'm going to encourage you next month. Four lessons. Humble yourself by voluntarily confessing sin. I can remember my mom saying, I don't care what it is, but just tell me the truth. Right? You won't be punished as severely if you tell me the truth. One was quick death, one was slow. Tell the truth. Number two, humble yourself by sacrificially giving and giving anonymously. You know, my mother demonstrated that time and time again. All mothers do. Mothers make huge sacrifices. It's a sacrifice of time, of your body, of your mind, of of your unconditional love. Humbling yourself sometimes to love your child anyway. But you sacrifice big parts of your life and you do it without not everybody knowing about it. You're not a walking billboard for sacrifice. Number three, humble yourself by treating others better than yourself. Huge lesson. And finally, humble yourself by asking for help. (laughs) The reason why moms are so good at this is dads, they won't even stop and ask for directions. But a mother will teach their children to ask for help. James 4 and 18 says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Moms, um, ladies in general, I'm going to ask you to do something here in a second. Men, I'll ask you to follow suit and we'll, we'll call it a day. But understand this. Here's the lesson In a nutshell this morning, you are on the front line 
of teaching the humility that is foundational to our Christian love. Our ability to understand God's love for us and our ability to give God's love to others. You are on the front line of that. Thank you. Thank you for doing that battle. And please feel encouraged to continue on. Because God says if you do that in his presence, he will exalt. I would I would like to ask every lady in the congregation or every lady in the house here today. Stand up, please. Stand up, please. Gentlemen, for just a second, let's give all of these ladies a hand for being kingdom warriors, whether mothers, grandmothers, great grandmothers, or maybe some that are the mothers they didn't even ask to be. Thank you so much, ladies. Please be seated. You're going to get your uh, your exercise here. Maybe this morning. Humility and building this humility and. This task has seemed overwhelming to some men. Maybe some of you in this room this morning haven't supported the ladies in your life like you needed to for them to be encouraged to fulfill this task. Maybe you just need prayers. Maybe there's a praise. Maybe there's someone here this morning that would stand up and say, you know what? I had a I had a woman that was a mother figure to me that didn't ask to be. And I just want to praise God for her this morning. Whatever that need is, we give this moment while we stand and sing. Please come forward as we share this song together.